on one hand, you've got this reading from Exodus, and there's a lot that I can say about that. An awful lot. And if you were part of the Bible study on Thursday, you found out there's a lot going on there. But then, of course, we also have this weekend, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And so I'm holding both of these things together, and we'll see. We'll see where, where we go as we hold these two things together. We have the story of the Exodus, which is the big story in the Old Testament. This is the story that every other story is somehow making reference to. The delivery of Israel from slavery in Egypt. This is the big moment of God's action in Israel's history. This moment of liberation, setting them free, creating this people who have lost their identity as slaves, creating an identity for these people, giving them a sense of, of being and purpose. It's so important that in Matthew's Gospel, we heard that reading just now, Matthew wants to start that Gospel by making reference to Egypt. My son came out of Egypt. Right? So Jesus is right from the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, put into this tradition of deliverance and liberation, exodus. It's really a big deal. We've also had the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And as I was personally wrestling with that and how I might observe that this year, I came across this documentary made by the Anglican Church of Canada in 2019 called The Doctrine of Discovery, Stolen Land, Strong Hearts. A wonderful documentary to give a bit of, a bit of history behind you know, what's behind this doctrine of discovery and a little bit of what does it mean for people living today still. So if you don't know about the doctrine of discovery, it comes out of a papal bull called Intercaterra, which was written by Pope Alexander VI in 1493. And it's the basis, really, of a theological and church-sanctioned belief that the land that we're living on now, the lands that were discovered by Christopher Columbus in 1492, were fair game for Spain and Portugal to take because they were empty. The people living there weren't Christian, so it was perfectly fine for these Christian kings to go and take over this land with the justification that, well, we'll make them Christians, and that will be good, because your job as a Christian emperor is to make more Christians. And so they went and Well, they did some of that, and they did a lot of other things, too. And of course, that doctrine of discovery, which was first a theological doctrine from the Pope, gets used uh, by secular authorities and governments uh, along the way. What this doctrine ignores, of course, is the basic humanity of the people that were here before. By saying that the place is empty and it's fair game for you to go and conquer and do what you like with, is, is ignoring the fact that there are numerous nations here, that they've got well-established trade routes, they've got networks, that they have a whole history, they've got culture and religion, but it ignores all of that. I never read Exodus referenced by Pope Alexander VI in that papal bowl, but one wonders if the Exodus story is a little bit 
with superpowers and that could be their god. They could co-opt God as their warrior god who's on our side. Less obvious, but just as harmful, is when those in power take it upon themselves to fix others. We've got all the solutions, right? In the Doctrine of Discovery documentary, Ray Albrecht, who is an indigenous Christian and director of indigenous studies at Vancouver School of Theology, and a great, clear, and gentle voice in all of this, makes two very helpful statements that we might hold in tension in a helpful way. He points out the current problem. The United Nations has studied the nations of the earth and said that Canada ranks sixth out of all the countries. Canadians rank sixth in general quality of life. But for indigenous Canadians, they rank 63rd. That's a big gap. And Ray Alvin says, closing the gap is reconciliation. That is what the work of reconciliation is, closing that gap in quality of life. But then he makes this other statement. Any work we do to try and close the gap, we cannot come at it with the perspective that this is a problem to be solved, that indigenous people and their life is a problem to be solved. Anytime we do that, or we come in as those with power and enforce a solution, the benevolent power holders with the solutions, the ones who know the best. We've tried that before, and it didn't go so well. So what do we do? How do we move forward? Well, we do so with humility. We listen, and we pay attention to the stories we hear. And we follow the lead of indigenous people in coming up with the solutions to close that gap. One of those ways that they've identified, and this comes out of the report on missing and murdered indigenous women and girls, is the call to reform our policing services, namely by having indigenous liaison officers. We know that one aspect of that gap is the terrible uh, discrepancy in, uh, in, our, in our penal system, right? We know that there's over-representation of indigenous people in our penal system. And indigenous liaison officers provide a different approach to policing that might help close the gap. So the Calgary Alliance for the Common Good, one of our partners, is having an action assembly November 3rd. And one of the things we're going to do there is talk about why this is important. And we'll have city councilors there, we'll have people from the police services there. And we'll talk about why this is a helpful way forward on the road towards reconciliation. So we'll have more information about that forthcoming over the next couple of weeks. But, but think about that as a way that we can respond with humility, following the lead of indigenous people, working to close that gap, but not as the people with solutions. Because in the story, we are not Israel. Please, God, may we not be Egypt, but maybe we can be.